The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. We are actively, each and every week, looking for someone to chat with. Holly, we have said a million times, if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, please let us know. Yes. In the past few weeks, we've had a lot of people specifically requesting this individual. You need to hear from Greg, a message in from Matthew. Uh, I heard an interview with Greg Steer. You got to get him on, says Kendra. So without further ado, uh, it's all the hype that money can buy. Greg Steer, my friend, how are you? That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But hey, glad to be on the show. I hope it <laughs> I hope it lives up to their expectations and to yours. I the go bar, into it with no expectations. Yeah. The bar's pretty perfect. low. So yeah. perfect. I'm on you, the perfect show then. You <laughs> saying yes is what we consider a win. Yeah. And right. the fact that we're three hundred plus episodes of three hundred different people saying yes, and it has only cost Holly about five bucks, we're also <laughs> seeing that as a win as well. <laughs> you can't say that. People expect money. Yeah, never mind. Um, Greg Steer, we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? I am Greg Steer from Denver, Colorado, and uh, lead a ministry called Dare to Share. I'm husband, 32 years to my lovely wife, Debbie, who's been a public school teacher for 30 years. Bless and, her heart. Uh, no. Yeah. Yep. She just retired. So I tell people I'm in a suburb of Denver called Arvada. I say outside of Arvada, Colorado, I'm the dare to share guy. Inside Arvada, I'm Mrs. Steer's husband because she's a legend. <laughs> He's a legend in our city. So uh, I have two kids, uh, Jeremy and Kaylee. They're not kids anymore. Kaylee just graduated from high school, going off to Word of Life Bible Institute. And wow. Jeremy, Jeremy's getting married. He's 22, getting married in October to a wonderful, the, the girl that we've been praying for, the guy would raise up. Uh, so she's great. on on fire for Christ. So it's great. Yep. I love my family. I love, I love the ministry I do at Dare to Share, training and equipping teenagers all over the world how to share the gospel. How did, uh, for you, your early days go? Were you born and raised in Colorado or? Yeah, I was born in actually inner city Denver. You know, every city's got a city within yes. our city. I was, yes. I was raised in inner city Denver and never knew my biological father. We're going to get right into the why me stuff. Perfect. Um, Let's do this. My, uh, my family, you know, was known uh, th- throughout North Denver, which is the highest crime rate area of Denver, as uh, my uncles were called the Crazy Brothers. Mm-hmm. Three of them were competitive. The crazy. The three of them were competitive bodybuilders. The fourth one was a bouncer at the toughest bar in Denver. The fifth one was a gold gloves boxer, judo champion, war hero. My mom was the only girl in the group, and they were all afraid of her because she used a baseball bat when she fought, and she fought dirty. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I, I should be a- laughing. So yeah, it's a, well, it's true. Yeah. It's all true. Yeah. So my family was bad news in North Denver. I was like young Sheldon in the hood. I was a terrified, nerdy little kid wondering, why me? How did I get in this crazy family? Uh, I used to hide underneath the kitchen sink with a Bible and a flashlight trying to figure life out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, my, a lot of my family was in and out of jail. I never knew my biological father. Mom met my biological father at a party. They partied. She got pregnant. He found out he got transferred 2,000 miles away. He was in the Army, and so I never met him. And so my my life was in a downward spiral uh, full of sirens and cops and blood and violence and fear. Mm-hmm. And a, then a hillbilly preacher from the Deep South, nicknamed Yankee, planted a church in the suburbs of Denver 
and on a dare reach my toughest uncle, my uncle Jack, who my uncle Jack went to prison for, uh, went to jail for choking two cops unconscious at the same time who were trying to arrest him on assault charges. And, uh, this preacher went right to his house, knocked on the door, laid out the gospel. My uncle Jack had never heard the gospel. And the preacher said, does that make, make sense? My uncle Jack said, hell yeah. That was a sinner's prayer was hell yeah. He trusted Christ. And then they fell like dominoes through crazy wow. circumstances. My whole family ended up getting radically converted to Christ. And so from the time I was a kid and saw the power of the gospel, I knew, man, I want to be a preacher. I want to, I want to reach, you know, people with the gospel of Christ. And so it just, it swept through my family like a hurricane and it was awesome to watch. It was terrifying before they came to Christ, BC, mm-hmm. before yeah. Christ, AD was a little scary, but still awesome. Yeah. How was it being then in the toughest church and having your uncle show up and say, listen, you're going to love this Bible or else? (laughs) No, you know, you joke about that. Uh, He walked into a Mormon church on Sunday morning and asked where the newcomer Sunday school class was, went in, there was 25 new Mormons getting trained in Mormonism. He raised his hand to give a testimony. They thought he was a Mormon. They said, come on down. Well, he wasn't a Mormon. He gave the gospel, gave an invitation. Yeah. And 18 of the 25 new Mormons became new Christians that day. So my family, there was there was a little bit of, you know, delayed reaction of sanctification. So, sure. it, uh, you know, they, there was sometimes if you didn't take Jesus, they may give you Moses right upside your head. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, that's a, a wild family conversion story. Like, now I feel like my story is so boring. But thank yeah. goodness there's no comparison in the family. <laughs> no. Of- of God. But I know as kids, like, at what point did you realize that what was happening in your family wasn't healthy? And then how did that healing help you having Christ now a part of the circle? Oh, my goodness. From square one, for the time I could have conscious thoughts, I knew this was not healthy. I mean, it was it was I was just scared all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was scared because I lived in a tough neighborhood. And there were gangs everywhere. I was scared outside our house. I was scared inside our house because my family was a gang. And there was a lot of blood, a lot of fights, just a lot of just stuff kids shouldn't see. Nobody should see. And my mo- one of my most vivid memories, I was five years old, and my mom had married a guy named Paul, and he was one of several marriages. He left us. We hadn't seen him for months. He pulled up one day in a brand-new car, and uh, I was playing on the porch and I yelled inside when I was five. I go, Mommy, one of my daddies is here. And she looked out the window. She was doing the dishes and smoking a cigarette. And she goes, that blank and blank, where's the where's the bat, the baseball bat? Yeah. And reaches behind the door, grabs a baseball bat, goes out, still cigarette still hanging in her mouth, knocks out his front windshield, knocks out his headlights, takes off his rear view mirror. And he's, she's taunting him, like, get out of the car. I'm just a girl. Come on, you can take it. <laughs> he starts doing body damage. And I'm freaked out, you know, yeah. uh, but yet somehow proud of her. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and then he got out of the car, which was a tactical mistake. And she just lit him up wow. and finally, you know, b- covered in blood. He got back in the car and he, he drove off. And I'll never forget. There's certain memories that are seared into your mind. My mom walking back up the sidewalk with this broken, splintered, bloody bat. Uh, thinking three things. Number one, uh, I will never disobey my mommy again. That's the first thought. Yeah. Number two, yeah, don't mess with mom. Number two, how did the cigarette stay in her mouth the whole time? 
Um, and number three, why is she so angry? Yeah. And she had a rage because later on, I found out when I was 12, she drove after she got pregnant with me, she drove from Denver to Boston to abort me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was before Roe v. Wade. Uh, and she was going to abort me. And my uncle Tommy and Aunt Carol, who she was staying with, talked her out of it over a course of a couple months. So, so she just mm-hmm. was, she had a rage. She had a shame fueled rage inside of her. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was conscious that it was, this was not healthy. Um, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know how it could have gotten any lower for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say, why me? I, I would, you know, be under that kitchen cupboard asking that question or late at bed at night, listening to the sirens and the screams and all that, mm-hmm. just crying, you know, and listening to my mom cry in the other room. Uh, cause she felt so guilty for her life. And, um, so it was, it was, it was rough. You know, I joke about some stuff now, but you know, it it was sure. rough. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever try to connect with your biological father? No. Cause by the time I found out all of this stuff, he was already dead. So, oh. um, but I did, it was interesting. 20 something years ago, I got an email from somebody that says, is your dad named Tony Woods? If so, I think I'm your sister. And so I guess a drunk aunt spilled the beans about me at a family reunion. She was the only one who knew. And what's crazy is Melody, my sister lives in, um, uh, lived in Sacramento. And this is three days before I am slated to fly to Sacramento for the first time in my life and preach. So I get to meet, end up meeting two sisters and a brother that had no idea I was around before the ants spilled the beans. So I got to meet my, my other side of my family and their mom. And you got to realize my mom was the other woman. So it was a little awkward. Yeah. But, uh, it ended up, it ended up being great. They're believers and, uh, you know, you know, the, the gospel restores all things. So it was, it was a restoration moment. Um, speaking of that restoration though, I mean, you, you had said your mom was going to go and get an abortion. Uh, you, you were obviously not a planned pregnancy, if you will. Um, is there ill will towards your mom because of all these decisions that she wanted to make before you were born? No, I love my mom. I miss my mom. She went to be with the Lord, uh, almost 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. she, she did her best to raise me. I get choked up when I think about my mom. Sorry. She did her best to raise me and my big brother um, by herself with no alimony and uh, worked extra shifts. And uh, when I was 12, um, Yankee, that hillbilly preacher, trained me. I started going to his church, went to his youth group, went to his Christian school. He trained me how to share the gospel on it. First person on my heart was my mom. And so I started sharing Christ with her and she would just sit there at the kitchen table smoking saying, you don't know the things I've done wrong. And I knew them all because my grandma told me everything. But uh, I said, it doesn't matter, Ma. Jesus died for all your sins. If you put your faith in him, you trust in him, you have yeah. eternal life. It's not by being good. Otherwise, we'd all go to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And three years later, after three years worth of awkward conversations with my Ma, I was finally able to lead her to Christ. 
And I'll never forget her sinner's prayer. I'm going to heaven, cigarettes and all. I'm like, wow. <laughs> heaven's not smoking, but yeah, you'll be in heaven. Designated yeah. smoking part of heaven. <laughs> I designated smoking. Yeah. Oh, that's the other place. That's the other place. Um, um, okay. <laughs> so, so you have this, you have in your heart that you want to be a preacher. You, you go to the Yankee school of preaching or his church and everything. What you go through school then was then the next step. I got to go to ministry. I got to find a way to then become a pastor. Yeah. I mean, you know, I knew I wanted to go into the ministry um, from the time I was, you know, 15 years old and preach my first real sermon hmm. at my grandpa's funeral. My uncle, my uncles who had all been converted by then, all but one have been converted, uh, surrounded me uh, when my grandpa died and said, you're going to give the gospel. You're going to do the sermon at grandpa's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I'm 15. They're like, well, are you chicken? I'm like, no, I ain't chicken. <laughs> They're like, you're going to give it. Cause we, you, you know, they knew, they knew kind of had that, you know, that itch, that DNA. And I knew from that moment, like I preached and gave the gospel and, gave an invitation. I was like, okay, this is definitely the call upon my life. And so I went off to Liberty university for a year and then ended up Colorado Christian university where I met my future wife. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, from the time I was, from the time I was a teenager, I knew it was a call to ministry. It was called to, to, um, evangelism. And it became clearer and clearer. It'd be a call more to teenagers. I planted a church, but, you know, and ministered to adults for 10 years, started Dare to Share on the side, uh, training and equipping teens to share the gospel. But I got a little irritated with adults. I'd be like, you're 50 years old and still struggling with this. Read your Bible, loser. You know, I was just not very patient with adults. Teenagers, I felt really bad for it because, yeah. you know, it's just a, that time of life. Mm-hmm. And so the Columbine High School shooting that took place about 20 minutes down the road, um, really was a marker with me hmm. uh, because my wife's a public school teacher in the same district. And I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine high school at the time. Yeah. And so I resigned from the church to do dare to share full time after the Columbine high school shooting. So that was nine ninety nine, ninety nine, April 20th, yeah. 1999. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, that feels like last year. Like I just yeah. remember that happening and it was just, so shocking and heart-wrenching just how is this happening and it continues to happen yeah it does and and you know i mean thoreau said for every thousand hacking at the leaves of evil one strikes at the root Mm. and i think you know in the united states you know people are trying to figure out legislation and all these other things and yeah there's legitimate things that need to be figured out Mm -hmm. but ultimately you know, my question is, what if the Christian teens on every high school and middle school campus were actually looking for those kids that were the bad, the broken, and the bullied and engaged them and built relationships and prayed for them and shared the gospel with them? How many, how many, you know, school shootings or different tragedies would be averted through the power of the gospel? You know, the same message that transformed my family, turned them from a force of violence and danger and crime to a force of transformation. You know, what if that took place on every high school and middle school campus, not just across the United States, but around the world. And so that's what we're trying to do is really mobilize, you know, missionaries to reach students with the hope of Christ. And why not teenagers? They have, you know, 
80% of the people that come to Christ do it by the time they're 18. So why would no. we not, why would we not put a focus on reaching and mobilizing the young? So this is my message, not just to teens. This is my message to youth leaders. This is my message. I preach to senior pastors. I do churchwide preaching. I preach all over the world. And that's my message, the power of the gospel and the potential of young people. Mm-hmm. Amen. You've been doing this ministry for over 30 years. How have you seen from what you started with, how has it evolved to where it is now? Yeah, I mean, we just started, I mean, with a method of sharing the gospel and, you know, getting teams together and and mobilizing them, right? Uh, In some ways, I mean, we're still doing that same thing. But I think uh, we've had to adjust the way that we communicate the message of the gospel in a post-Christian culture, Hmm. To more Acts 17, Paul on Areopagus, telling the story of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So not leading with apologetics. It's almost we say you write the love letter of the gospel and you use apologetics as the PS. PS, it's all true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Instead of like opening line of, you know, this is the truth. You know, you have to tell the beautiful story of the gospel like Paul did in Acts 17 with the men of the Areopagus. And then PS. Here's 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 why we're convinced it's true and you you should consider it. Mm-hmm. So we've adjusted the way that we communicate that message. Um, we use actually a gospel acrostic to help create what we call gospel fluency with students. It tells a whole story mm-hmm. uh, from Genesis one to Revelation 22. G-O-S-P-E-L. God created us to be with him. Genesis one and two. Oh, is our sins separate us from God? Genesis three. Right. S is sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Genesis 4 through Malachi 4, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, the blood of the sacrifices, the sweat of obedience to the commands, the tears of contrition, couldn't get rid of our sin. Mm -hmm. So P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, John. And L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever, Acts through Revelation. Mm. So we have students actually memorize it, fake gospel fluency, and then practice it and then personalize it so that they could communicate it in the form of an everyday conversation. So the goal is not evangelistic presentations, but gospel conversations. But they got to get the message down first. So we talk about gospel urgency, why, gospel fluency, what, G-O-S-P-E-L. And we have it in 19 languages, a, a different mm-hmm. version, same message, but different words for the acrostic. Yeah. Uh, and then gospel strategy. That's the methodology. We have a we have an app called Life in Six Words, which is the methodology, the the how, the gospel strategy. Mm-hmm. So students just pick which words would best describe their life with six words, and then they ask why why you choose those words, and you hear their story. Then you share your words, you share your testimony, then you share God's words. That's the gospel across the God our sins paying everyone life. So. It's a free app, but uh, it's just it's our it's our methodology. So all that to say, a lot has changed uh, over the course of thirty two years of doing this. Uh, we you know started you know American you know kind of <laughs> you know still in this. Then we started realizing what's well, a big world, yeah. and it's a big English speaking world. So we had to move more and more toward a globalized uh, uh, a approach that works globally mm-hmm. uh, with teenagers. And so we're still learning and figuring that out, but we have a lot of global partners that are helping, helping us with that. That's amazing. Cause I remember when I was younger and we do the evangelistic classes and they're like, here's your tracks yeah. <laughs> and, and now go to your neighbors and just give these pamphlets out. 
And yeah. it felt very much like um, network marketing. You yeah. Know? Hey, do you want to come over to my house for coffee? <laughs> I have a presentation yeah. for you. <laughs> You're on the exactly. top of the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God's here. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I, I appreciate all methodologies, anybody trying to share the gospel, because that's the, the problem is not usually that the problem is that the average Christian doesn't never shares the gospel. Yeah. Um, but I think we have to be strategic in how we train um, so that, you know, you have the most chance of being engaged with. And so our, our, our lean in strategy the way we train students is three A's, ask, admire, admit. So ask questions, hmm. get to know somebody, mm-hmm. uh, ask about their lives, where they go to school, what, you know, what, and you just get to know them personally. Admire, make a shift to the spiritual, like do you go to church anywhere, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And instead of going right to apologetics, you admire what you can. Yeah. So you find common ground, like Paul did in Acts 17, yeah. and then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up. You needed Jesus to save you. And that's where you share your story. Uh, and then that becomes an on-ramp to share the gospel message. But by that point, you're already talking. You're in a communi- two-way communication. Mm-hmm. And so we've learned over 32 years of working with teenagers that that, you know, what strategy works. And what we, what we realize is that conversations always work. Yeah. You know, just, you know, people don't want to feel like a project. No. Mm-hmm. Relationships. Know? That's it's so key. Yep. That's, you know, one of the things I often gets overlooked in the conversations. And uh, yeah, it's interesting just to even reflect, you know, you've been doing this for 32 years and just seeing how the church has changed. You mentioned that we're in a post-Christian world. Um, I've actually heard that it's continued to shift further away and we're almost mm. the point or if not in a pre-Christian world which yep. is a lot of shifting in the past three decades when it was a Christian world when we were younger. Um, yeah. As parents, how do we support our teens and our youth who are learning how to share their faith in a world where their friends have maybe never heard about it? Or you watch the news and you see all of the hurt being lived out and then pastors being exposed for the pain that they've caused. So. Yeah. It's like the the stories now are confirming all the bad things about Christianity or Christian culture. How do our kids say, no, it's it's not that bad. It's about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's a great question. I think that we have to model it the best that we can at home. Trauma, sometimes to be honest with you, trauma and abuse, yeah. Sometimes it's just an excuse. Kids are looking for a way out. Uh, uh, you know, they don't want to do what mom and dad did. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk to me about, you know, ex evangelical stuff. I'm a little less like, I was like, you want to compare trauma? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we can do that. We yeah. can do that. Um, but, I mean, I'm going to probably win that one. Yeah. How much time um, do you have? <laughs> the question is you, you make, you choose, are you going to lean into Jesus or not? And, you know, my challenge with people is, man, where else are you going to lean into? Yeah, there's bad things going on. Yeah, there's some power mongering pastors that, you know, do not exemplify that. That is no excuse to get out of the church. That's no excuse to leave Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not that way. Jesus loves us. He cares about us. And most Christians I know aren't that way either. So it's not like, you know, most Christians I know genuinely love Jesus and they're trying to serve him, trying to figure it out. Um, but I do think sometimes Satan uses that, plants those seeds and thoughts, and it becomes a cool thing to just you know, bag out of the church. And I'm like, well, 
Someday you're going to stand before the one who died for you and give an account. And that that's called judgment day. And uh, if you put your faith in Christ at some time, you're going to stand and realize, you know, that, you know, broke his heart, you know. And if you didn't know Christ, then, you know, it's, it's an even worse option what's going to happen there. And so, uh, you know, I, I think we need if we really believe this book, the Bible, we need to take it seriously and we need to stop looking for ways out. And we need to look for how do we change the system? How do we transform? And and we do that by following the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. What's so interesting, though, is because we're in a we're in a time in our lives where we are so distracted because we have social media. Yeah. But yet it's also a blessing in the sense that we can now reach people across the globe because of things like social media. So yeah. is it for you guys, is it easier or harder to have to deal with all that stuff. Oh, we use it. I mean, I'm like, why, why would you fight social media? Like I, I like to, I, you know, there's a story of Beniah, who's uh, David's bodyguard in the old Testament. He goes up against a seven foot Egyptian with nothing but a club. And the seven foot Egyptian has got a giant spear. Well, David takes the Egyptian's giant spear and stabs him with his own spear. I'm like, well, that's what we need to do with the devil. We need to take, <laughs> take his tools and use it against them. And so like we just finished a full week of training hundreds of teenagers here in Colorado at an event we do called lead the cause. We have them use social media to engage their friends in gospel conversations during the week. We have them texting Mm -hmm. friends throughout the week. We have them calling their friends. We have them, you know, posting things on, on their Instagram accounts that identify them as Christians. And we do that on purpose because Mm -hmm. You know, technology works both ways. And I think so many, I, I think youth ministry is way too defensive when it comes to uh, dealing with teenagers. I think it's time to play offense. And what I mean by that is let's, you know, let's mobilize these students as missionaries. Let's use technology. Let's get them, you know, if we pull them all out of public schools and everybody's, you know, kept away from the lost people, I'm like, well, that's nothing like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And even homeschoolers, we have homeschoolers come to our event. You know what they do? They We do a thing globally called Go Share Day. Last Saturday of every month, students go out to pray for people, care for people, and share the gospel out loud, out loud with words. And we have hundreds of youth groups around the nation. We have homeschoolers, Christian school, public school, and it gives them a monthly outlet for evangelism. Every year we do a thing called Dare to Share Live, which is a a uh, has been a simulcast uh, that we've done in English and Spanish. This next year, we're going to pre-record it so that we could show it around the world. A global outreach day, November 11th, mm. where students are I- inspired, equipped. We do drama. It's very high. I mean, I'd put it up against any simulcast out there, even though now it's pre-recorded. It's high quality, but it's free because I don't. I was a poor kid, and I don't want. I don't want money to keep a student away. So students from the, you know, uh, native, you know, the, the native American reservations to inner cities, to, uh, you know, Kenya, to anywhere, um, English and Spanish, it'll be available for free on dare to share live.org and just mobilize a generation play offense. Yeah. You know, kids are looking for, they're looking for a mission. They're looking for a cause and we're giving them, 10 minute lessons and pizza and games. I'm like, guys, okay, let's, let's give these kids. I, I got a uh, message this morning on Instagram for a, from a 
from a teenager that was at Lead the Cause last week that said, thank you for stretching us. Thank you for believing in us. Mm. Thank you for how you program this because it shows us that you believe that we can change the world. Yeah. Mm. I love that because I feel like, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but I feel like here our kids are treated like the lowest common denominator. They're not stretched. They're not encouraged to reach their full potential in a lot of ways. We have like the no fail rule in school. So you could get zeros and not understand, but keep being moved up to the next grade. And they're not getting a chance to to fail and to do that in an environment where it's safe. Exactly. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, and- and and so that's that's our approach with with teens around the globe. And you know what's it's interesting because now we have a lot of global partners that use Dare to Share materials to train and equip. And I've been on some global trips and watching watching not leading but watching our global partners train our stuff to teenagers. And my wife asked me, she goes, "What have you learned?" I said, "That teenagers are teenagers everywhere yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. There may be different countries and different demographics, different ways. Teenagers are teenagers globally." Yeah. And that's the time we need to give them three things, a king, a cause, and a crew. Uh, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said in Matthew 28. He's the king, King Jesus. Cause, go and make disciples. Crew, we're in this together. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And those that's what we try to give students. Actually, those are the themes of the next Dare to Share Live, king, cause, and crew. Ah, sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I got you. You, you talk about how your wife has uh, re- retiring or retired from from being a teacher. Is there thoughts of you doing the same thing? Does Does somebody who's in ministry like that do you ever retire? Are your kids going to take over? No, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm not going. I mean, I I don't see myself retiring from this. Um, this is my life's calling. I get questions like, you know, I'll get offered a job in some churches like, hey, come be our pastor. And then you know, I go, I'd be a horrible pastor. I was a pastor. <laughs> I could preach. Everything else just was like, what in the world? Suck it yeah. up, people. Yeah. Um, this is my, I feel I'm no apostle, but I feel an apostolic calling to teenagers mm-hmm. and to represent youth ministry to the church at large and to call pastors to prioritize reaching the young. I think a lot of times why we don't is because, let's be honest, I mean, teenagers don't tithe. Uh, But our Mm -hmm. currency in ministry is not money. It's souls. And if we're really serious about kingdom currency, uh, we're going to go to the demographic that is most likely to say yes to Jesus and most likely to get their friends to say yes to Jesus. And that's those 18 years old and younger. Mm. So, you know, I'm like, wake up, church. Let's mobilize the next generation. They're not the next generation, in my in the words of my friend Kathy Brenzel. They're the now generation. Yeah. Mm. And Jesus was a youth leader. I mean, you look at this, Matthew 17. I was actually in, in uh, Nova Scotia. And uh, I was doing a, a training for the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, and an old uh, black pastor said, now, you know, Jesus was a youth leader. I'm like, what? He's like, in Matthew 17, 24 through 27, Peter and Jesus and the disciples go into Capernaum and pay the temple tax. But only Peter and Jesus pay the temple tax. The other disciples didn't, which is interesting. Exodus chapter 30, verse 14, the temple tax was only for those 20 years old and older. So all the disciples are there, but only Peter and Jesus pay. So if I'm reading that right, Jesus was a youth leader, 
with one adult volunteer, right? <laughs> and one rotten kid named Judas and no budget. And with that youth group, he changed the world. Hmm. Wow. So not so much has Jesus, changed in all these years. <laughs> no. And, and if Jesus, if Jesus changed the world with, um, a handful of teenagers hmm. that at that point did not have the Holy spirit until acts two. Yeah. Uh, what can we do? I think we are, we are sitting on a gold mine. I think we have revival wanting, longing to come out. Teenagers are dying for this mission and this vision and we got to unleash it. And that's what dare to share. That's what we do. That's what it's all about. I wrote a book called unlikely fighter that tells the story it's 22 chapters long. The first 21 happened before I turned 16. It really is about the power of the gospel and the potential of young people, even though it's a memoir. Uh, it shows that gospel can change any family, anywhere, any culture, any context. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes and um, the potential of young people. Yankee, that hillbilly preacher, he believed in young people. He believed in me. He believed in us. And, you know, he's still alive. He's traveling in his RV. And guess what? He speaks to youth all over the country, speaks to adults. He preaches about the power of the gospel and the potential of young people using his King James Bible. Amazing. He's old school. Yeah. He's old school, but he's still at it. I do have a question too, just rewinding a little bit. You were talking about, you know, how this pastor comes, knocks on your door, essentially, um, and changes your life, your family's life, your uncle's life. But at that point, you said that there was a lot of fear. And I know that it's a lot of fear right now with our youth, with us as adults. Pandemic created a lot of fear, a lot of isolation. Um, for you being that kid, what did you do or, or how did you move away from a life that was a lot of fear around it, a lot of things to be afraid of into the life of freedom that you have now? How did you make that transition? Because that can be something that really holds people down. Yeah, I think I think it's the renewing of your mind, um, God's word and prayer. Uh, and I don't want to be trite or simplistic. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think we utilize the 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 power of scripture you know when you look at ephesians 6 10 through 20 and you look at the spiritual warfare passage be strong yeah. in the lord the power of his might a day of evil comes well, guess what the day of evil's here mm -hmm. so what do we do we stand we stand fully armored what is that what do we stand fully armored in we have the breastplate of righteousness that's not our righteousness mm -hmm. that's the righteousness of christ knowing that we he took our sin and gave us his righteousness right mm -hmm. we have the helmet of salvation like knowing that we know, I say, I know I have eternal life. I'm so confident I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I would trapeze over hell on a spider, uh, as a spider web, blindfolded, singing <laughs> Amazing Grace, flipping off the devil at the same time. I, I know I'm going to heaven, not because of my goodness, yeah. but because no. of the righteousness of Christ and that salvation, the belt yeah. of truth, living a godly life. I mean, a life of integrity, the boots of readiness, always ready to preach the gospel, and then the shield of faith. Yeah. That represents, I believe, the promises of God that we hide behind when Satan shoots, shoots his fiery dart. So we need to memorize those promises. We need to memorize yeah. scripture. And then we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's how we attack the devil. That's how we play offense. We quote scripture like Jesus did in Matthew 4 when he was tempted, right? So yeah. we duck behind the, the, 
the shield of faith and we thrust, duck and thrust. That is what we do. And so I actually think we need to get we need to get disciplined and memorizing scripture and reading scripture and going back to the text. And, you know, when I was a kid, I would hide underneath that kitchen sink with my Bible and a flashlight. Well, I don't do I don't read my Bible underneath the kitchen sink now, but I have a place every day when I'm at home or when I'm in a hotel where I meet with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I remind myself of those truths. I'm renewed in my strength. And then I, I get filled. I've set my my Apple Watch three times a day to remind me to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the words of D.L. Moody, we must constantly stay under the fountain of Christ because we are leaky vessels. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we need to get back to the basics and prayer, ultra dependence on him and time in his word. Yeah. We we talked that this is a ministry, and, and I mean, you've been doing it for 30 plus years. Uh, is there a way for us to get involved, whether it's online or, I mean, you are a yeah. ministry even with our wallets. How can we help? Yeah, I mean, uh, dare to share.org. It's the number two, dare to share.org. There's ways for people to be able to donate. I tell you, a great way to be involved is get your youth group involved with Dare to Share Live. Um, you know, just Go to dare to share live.org, or if you just go to dare to share.org, look under events, sign up. Uh, you get more information, access to the videos when they come out, and do dare to share live at your church, or maybe you're a parent. Do it with your teens and their friends. And students will literally be equipped and they'll actually go out and share Christ that day all around the world. Um, download the Life in Six Words app. Again, it's free, it's on your app store. Uh, and start sharing your faith and pray, pray, pray uh, for revival and transformation and put dare to share on your prayer list because our goal is our vision. Our vision statement is every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. Hmm. There's a billion teens worldwide. You know, there's 30 million teens in the United States. I don't know how many, but there's, there's, you know, lots of teens in Canada and all these countries, they desperately need the gospel. The best one to reach them is a friend that they know and trust. And so we need to get those friends equipped. We need to get those Christian students equipped. By the way, we have 75 pieces of free training curriculum on our website that you Mm. can just go and download for your youth group that deal with, uh, you know, how to share the gospel and all sorts of issues. And it's all free. So, Raid the refrigerator. Use dare to share work. We're there for you. We'll be like teens. Um, okay, last one for you. And I don't know if you do this or not. This is just my idea because this is how my brain works. When I was growing up, I always had like a WWJD bracelet or a, a, yes. a push bracelet. You, 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 ha- you talked about the gospel and an acronym. Have you thought about doing like a gospel bracelet? Yeah, we used to actually we used to oh, actually gosh. have those. Yeah. And we've even had some people do the gospel acrostic on on tattoos on their, really? on their arms. I'm like, hey, well, there you go. You can show the gospel using. Yeah, it's on the app. So okay. I tell people, download the app. If you can swipe and read, you can share the gospel using the Life in Six Words app. So I know at least Holly would be able to do that. Johnny, I'm not so yes. quite sure about you. But all right. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like this guy. I, I feel close <laughs> enough to you to taunt you. It's all good. Um, can't wait to uh, hear about... Uh, the Greg Steer movie, which is coming out in 2025, The Life yeah. of uh, Dare, the number two, share.org. Brother, this was so great. Thank you for taking some time and sharing your heart. Appreciate the opportunity. I say this probably daily, but I, I mean this even more so today. I wish that I was a teen 
And not just because of the achy muscles and the no. bones and joints that crack. My back's out and I don't, my back goes out more than I do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I know. <laughs> but I mean, we never had anything like, like we had, we had YC. Yeah. So for those who don't know in Edmonton, Alberta, there was something called YC. They did a YC Newfoundland and that, yeah, but it seems conference. like, yeah, after that, there wasn't much. And yeah. this, because of technology and everything else, this would make me want to be young again. Yeah. And also just a different way of looking at how to share your faith. Hmm. You know, that's one of those things where focusing in on the relationship. I mean, when we were growing up, it was a very different take. People yeah. already had a base in most cases about their faith. And uh, I just love that they've approached this in a very relational way. And when we were growing up, it was more face-to-face. And now everything's in a screen. Yeah. And so you don't have the, it's a different type of relationship. And so the fact that they have an app, the fact that they're doing things, they're, they're progressing as time goes on is amazing to see as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what a story. My goodness. Hmm. Greg's childhood seems quite uh, traumatizing, (laughs) to be honest, Um, to go through that kind of violence and constant state of fear. And yet here he is clearly in a state where he is leaving living fearlessly in Christ and sharing his heart and his passion with the current generation. He had a chance. I mean, he had the option of, you know, be like the uncles or do something different. And he chose different and he chose ministry. And uh, thank God. And I mean that, that he, that was, that was his path. And that's God's using him, how he feels like he should be used. And I love the uncles were part of that too. All right. You will do the sermon. Yes, I will. (laughs) Thank you to uh, Matthew. Thank you to Kendra. Thank you to everybody who each and every week reaches out to us on the socials, emails us and says, you need to talk to so-and-so. You need to hear the story from so-and-so because without that, we're just, we're, we're not sure. You know, we, we reach out to people too, but it's great when you have that involvement. Absolutely. And please don't forget to follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Mm. Instagram, but also on YouTube. We have a few subscribers. We'd love to see that grow. We would love these videos to be shared as well. So YouTube, you can add that to your list of things to subscribe to. Holly's mom said that she wouldn't do it until we got like 50. So... (laughs) We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. Uh, you can download Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, check out places like Edify and faithstrongtoday.com. Yeah.